everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Chat Box with Uncle Funky's Daughter. I'm your host, Melinda Spalding Chevalier, here with my favorite guest of all time, our Chief Curl Officer from Uncle Funky's, Miss Renee Morris. Hi, Funky Junkies. Happy New Year. It's always great to be back. It's always great to talk to you, Renee, and we always have to time ourselves and watch the clock because I could just uh, just have conversation with you all day. I'm really excited about tonight's topic. Uh, it's a new year, and I think there may be a lot of, of podcast listeners and funky junkies out there who want to start their own business. It may be one of their, their goals for the year or resolutions, and sometimes we may take for granted that our chief curl officer is an amazing businesswoman. I mean, you could talk about hair, but you are truly doing it. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Renee, what it's been like for you and, and the advice you have for all of us about running your own business. So I'm curious, I've seen you at work in various parts of your life, you know, in business, and I've seen you with your family, and I've seen you in civic groups. Have you always been in charge? <laughs> that's my first question. You kind of caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> hey, no, this is the fun. This is what I love to do when we get to do this kind of stuff. So, so the answer, unfortunately, is yes. <laughs> I just kind of have that personality that says, one, um, I learned really early in my career that if you were not a decision maker, a revenue generator, that it was more difficult for you to earn the level of income that you wanted to make or Mm -hmm. I wanted to make. And so because of that, that switched me in my career really early on to a more kind of, I would call call it a people facing frontline position. Right. And I switched really early, even before that in undergrad and high school, et cetera, I've always been the person who if I'm going to be involved in something, I'm not going to be the committee member. I can't. It's just not who I am. I don't sit on the bench. I'm not a bench writer. I have to get out there and like help drive and make the change. And so I've always, even as a kid, even in college, you know, whether it was co-captain of my dance team or captain of the dance team eventually, or the editor of our paper, I've always taken leadership roles. And I think it's in part, it's because I feel like you know, too much is given, much is expected. And, and you just have to step up and help drive the change that you want to see. And if you don't like something, my whole philosophy is don't complain about it, put your butt up and go fix it. That's why I've always ended up in leadership positions. Because I feel like, you know, you look around and you, and you go, we can, this can be so much better. And I'm so passionate about how this can be so much better that I just, you know, I end up, you know, last time I was up at two, two o'clock in the morning because I had to do some mom stuff, but I had some business stuff to do. And my, my mentality is always, if I give myself a goal, I don't go to bed until that task is off my list. Like I can't, I won't be able to sleep otherwise. Oh, you're one of those people on top of that. I'm so you don't people. procrastinate. So I think this is fascinating because I, I'm so curious. I've always been curious about women and their habits and, and what drives people or makes them tick. So you are not a procrastinator. You are not in that club with the rest of us. Oh, no, I procrastinate on some things. I absolutely do. I mean, I won't even tell you how my son is applying to a a different school. And 
the day I've got four days to get, you know, his teacher recommend his teachers to get his recommendations in and get the report cards loaded. And we haven't even given him any prep for the test that he's going to take on Sunday. So there are some things that I procrastinate. There are some things that I, I drop the ball on. I am not perfect. I drop the ball and I look up and I go, crap. Other words come out of my mouth. And I'm like, okay, this is on Saturday. This, what is happening? Renee, get your life together. Take a moment. Get your life together. <laughs> and But there are other things that I don't. And so because I am also one of those people that have a problem with saying no, which I mm-hmm. am, one of my goals is to get better at that. If someone asks me to do something, it's hard for me to, to say, no, I can't do it. So I end up focusing on a lot of different things and doing a lot of different things, but that's a whole nother podcast. Yes, that is a whole separate podcast and a different conversation. You know, for people who have this goal of running a business or starting their own business for this year, you learned how early on kind of the key that you're a leader, you want to be up front, you knew what you needed to do while working for others. How has it been to make the transition to run your own business? You know, it's been tough and rewarding at the same time. One of the biggest things I learned, so for background, for those who, you know, no, not very many people know, but I've worn a lot of different hats. I had, I've been in sales. I was an accountant. And then that, again, was not going to be put me in the front line. So I left and I went into sales. And then I left sales and, you know, got my graduate degree. And then I started to do consulting, which was, you know, always putting myself in front of people, telling them what to do, right? My thing. <laughs> but the one thing when I, when I bought Uncle Funky Slaughter, I was like, oh, we're going to make this brand grow. All I, I just need to do some sales calls. You know, let me get on the phone and do a lot of cold calling. And I learned really quickly. And this is the, the key thing that I would learn, especially for those starting you can make all the calls you want unless somebody out there is asking for your brand, is asking your name, is saying, what about Renee for this project? Someone else other than you needs to be out there championing you. Now, your job is to make yourself and put yourself in those environments so that they can get exposed to you. So whether your brand is you personally, and that means you're out there networking your butt off and talking to people about your experiences, not in an overly aggressive way, guys, but in a, yeah, you know, you know, my experience is blah, 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 blah. You know, maybe you should. So if you, if you want to advise people, advise people for free. And then And I don't mean write the whole deck and do a whole bunch of work for them for free. I mean, give them a couple of nuggets of free advice that can help them along the way. And guess what? When it's time for them to actually hire somebody to do the work and they can pay somebody to do the work, they're going to also think of you. But you also have to keep your name in front of mind by making yourself available for a variety of different things. So show up at the luncheon, show up, you know, at the networking events, show up if you're African-American at the Black MBA conference, just do, a, you know, a bunch of networking. If your brand is a product, then you need to put that product in the hands of other people by showing up at trade shows, at pop-up shops, at different events that your brand can get exposed. And so you can't, create the demand by cold calling. That was my biggest lesson is that they've got, you've got to have consumers or your customer, depending upon the the track, if you're direct to consumer B2B, 
you need to have those people coming and asking for your brand and asking for you and having your brand or again, whether it's you or a product in the top of their mind when they're ready to make a buying decision. That's good advice. This is good. So people may be wondering, how do I, while I'm working this other job, start on the path to doing my own thing and becoming like you, Renee, where do I start? You you talked about how you need someone to champion you. Where do you begin with that while you're working a full-time job? Well, you've got to, well, the wonderful thing is we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of us are working remotely. And a lot of us, some of us have chosen and working remotely isn't good for everybody. Some people can multitask and some people, you know, can easily get distracted. And, And so the good thing about working remotely is that you can use your commute time as your personal time, what would have been your commute time as your personal time. So that hour, hour and a half that you would have normally been in the car picking up Starbucks or on your way to to work, how about you use that time to do some of the things related to developing and growing your business? Like what's your marketing plan? What's going to be your branding? What is that going to look like? Who's going to be your target customer? And start thinking about some of that stuff or finding a mentor that's in the field or not, that may not be a direct competitor, but someone that's a complementary or adjacent to your industry to kind of pick their brain and take them to breakfast or take them to dinner or meet them for drinks. And again, don't be overbearing. <laughs> Just <laughs> ask a couple of questions. So the guys that I'm always like, okay, calm down. Are the guys who are like, well, where did you get this? What do you do that? And what did it do? I tell people my business is an open book because I can give you all the suppliers in the world. You've got to go out and create the brand and the product and do the marketing and selling and create the demand. And so when I say don't be too aggressive with whoever it is that you're talking to and you're mentoring, just you know, ask them some open-ended questions, like the ones that we're having right now. What are the biggest struggles that you faced in the industry? You know, how did you overcome this? You know, you know, if you know, if I'm getting started for the first time, where would you suggest I start? You know, and and my answer would be, do you have a business plan? And if you don't have a business plan, write it down. That's where you need to start. Start with just even it doesn't need to be a hundred page word document. It can be, you know, 50 bullets on a PowerPoint page. It just you decide on how high level and how detailed you want that to be. And so I know for you, I am going to assume you had a business plan and you were able to get going with your business I want to know maybe if you want to talk about maybe the first three to five years, what are some of the most valuable lessons you think you learned in the beginning? You know, I, so keep in mind, I, everybody's strategy is going to be different. So Mm -hmm. I, I think the most valuable lesson was the first one I talked about, about you can't create the demand. The demand has to come from your consumer Um, Mm -hmm. and, and letting go of my old sales hat of you can sell your way to the top. You can't if the consumer's not going to go in and buy it off the shelf, right? The second mm-hmm. one was the extreme importance, especially for a consumer good, the world of social media. And everybody knows this by now, right? But seven years ago, when I bought Uncle Funky's Daughter, eight years ago now, you know, Instagram was still kind of a thing, but not really a thing. It was still becoming a thing. And we had like maybe... 300 followers as opposed to the 107,000 that we have today. Um, But realizing that I realized really early that I had no budget. And so y'all, for for those of us starting a business, 
this is the important, this is the big lesson. I, I think my aha was, you know, you don't have any money, so you can't spend money on print ads. You can't mm-hmm. see money, spend money on radio or billboards, but you can go out and create a post. You can go out and become the face of your brand and start to educate consumers out there about your product and through social media, that stuff's free. It's harder today than it was eight years ago because of all the different algorithms and the tendency of these platforms for you to pay to play and people opting out of being able to see things, see certain posts and ads and that kind of stuff. But it's still capable. People are, you know, there are influencers out there that are getting followers every day. The other thing that I learned really early was the power of influencers and micro influencers on social media. So again, you can talk about your brand, but viral marketing is the most important aspect of getting your brand elevated. Again, whether or not, whether it's you as a person or you or your product. And so you want to have people out there talking about your brand. Those could be key opinion leaders, depending upon the industry that you're in. Uh, Key opinion leaders defined as educators out there. If you're looking for to do consultants, if you've got a medical device, maybe it's doctors and nurses. If you're a consumer product company, it could be influencers out there who are in the beauty space. So again, know who those quote unquote key opinion leaders are and get those guys to talk about your brand. And in order for them to talk about your brand, it's going to require that maybe you do some stuff again for free. Like in the consumer products world, we have to send products out for free to influencers for them to try. And then they may or may not talk about our product online. If they do great, if they don't, then you know it didn't work. But you've got to be willing, you've got to have some money out there to invest. So I would say the good thing about having your, I call it your government job or your or the gig to pay your bills is that you can pay your bills and still have enough cash flow to send complimentary products out there. As opposed, you know, when I bought Uncle Funky's daughter, it, it had to sink or swim, right? And so I was like, I don't have any money to give free, give away free stuff, but I had to get, I had to make that investment. And we had to operate a couple of years at a loss, frankly, because we were investing in the brand and investing in growing our footprint and growing our marketing. Renee, I have a feeling this is just part one, and then we're going to <laughs> we're going to have to do maybe a part two or three. Yeah, yeah. I think as we wrap up part one, because I do think this should be a series, and we have focused heavily on Uncle Funky's in the beginning, and I do want us to be able to talk more about some other things that you learned as a woman, as a Black woman in business, your early part of your career. I want to go through all of that because I think there's so much that people can learn from this. Just your Uncle Funky's journey as a business owner, what's your final kind of takeaway is, or I don't know if you had time to reflect on 2021 or previous years. What's one thing that you would say, go Renee, you did that. Surviving. I mean, (laughs) but you guys know the number of businesses that went under during this pandemic, the Mm. number of people that were, whose lives were lost in the middle of this pandemic. And so the fact that our business was able to survive because of our consumers, because of our customers, so many people didn't know what was going to happen. Was she going to decide that she was just going to hunker down and not do anything? What was, 
because she couldn't go to the salon anymore and what and she had to figure out how to do her hair at home. So what was that? What did that mean? And nobody knew. Could you get product on the shelf for her even to go out to go buy? I mean, we went through a, a variety of things between 2020 and 2021, encompassing everything from we can't find pumps. Why? Because the pumps were being used for hand sanitizer. You can't find bottles because the bottles are being used for hand sanitizer. You had to wait for eight months to get a bottle because all the hand sanitizer people were making, you know, were in the front of the line to make to get the bottles. And, and if you were getting something from China, oh, China's shut down, so you can't get anything from China. And so, and and now we just, you know, we're all dealing with those of us that are in the that are buying and sourcing things from overseas are in the business of waiting with your goods sitting out, you know, at a port out in the water. It is truly real. When 60 Minutes talks about it and all these people talk about it, it's real. We had bags that our travel kits go in that set out in a port in Jersey for about mm, two months. And we weren't expecting that as part of our supply chain. When we ordered the product, we didn't think it was going to take another eight weeks for it to sit on a boat before it could ever, you know, get on the land and then get to us. And so all of those things have impacts on our business, have impact on our ability to provide products in the shelves and our, big, our, our ability to service the consumer. Because guess what? If she can't buy my product when she walks into Target or HEB or Kroger or wherever, she's going to trade off. They call it trade off and buy something else to meet her need right then and there. I hope she does it. I hope she's willing to wait. But most, most often she's like, oh man, they're out of stock. Okay, what else can I get? And so you have to have your product there and ready. And the fact that there were instances where we weren't was a struggle for us, a struggle for me. And so the fact that we, that we survived another year and we are continuing to grow and partner with our retail partners and they've been gracious and extending grace to brands like mine who've been hit by supply chain challenges and our consumers have been gracious in coming back and rebuying and supporting our brand and supporting our product and and staying true to the brand when it's available and on the shelf. And our commitment is to improve those um, hiccups this year and reduce the amount of outages we've had to experience during this pandemic. Because we've learned a lot about supply chain and safety stock and having extra stuff on hand to make sure that you don't run out of stuff. <laughs> so. <laughs> that was a great answer and good job, right? I mean, yes. you got to tell yourself, good job. You made it through this and... Funky Junkies are around and supporting you and supporting the brand. And yes, but not everyone is still standing right now in a variety of ways. So it's good to, you know, celebrate and reflect and congratulate yourself every now and then. I think it's an awesome thing. And we're so happy to be a part of the journey and the story. So Renee Morris, thank you. Thank you, Melinda. It's always so nice to chat with you. And if y'all heard some of my kids coming in and out, I'm working from home doing this podcast at home and they've been coming in and out. So I apologize if you heard any background, but that's the mom, a mompreneur of four on a school night. So <laughs> that's life. That's, that's life. life. All right. Thank you, Renee. Thanks. Bye, Funky Junkies. We'll see y'all next time. 